Welcome to episode number two. Today I'm talking about mindset and how simple changes can help you get and stay more motivated to move. Thanks for checking in. Now let's jump into it. Welcome to Happily Ever Active, where we crack the consistency code with fitness tips on motivation, mindset, and much, much more. Now, here's your host, author of Feel Like It, and the guy with the silent O, Kelly Dell. Hi again, everybody. My name is Kelly Dell. I'm really glad that you're here today. This episode is the second of four key topics that I will be referring to in future episodes as the first four. In episode one, I introduced a problematic fitness phenomenon called the pain pendulum. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. It's a really important piece in this whole journey. And in that episode, I dissected a popular fitness saying that I think reflects the struggle so many people have when trying to build and sustain a more active life today. On episode two, this episode, I'm going to be discussing the power of mindset, something I referred to a little bit in episode one, and how the default mindset upheld by today's fitness culture is simply unsustainable. You've probably seen how the term mindset is growing in popularity in recent years. I'll admit it's becoming a bit of a buzz phrase. There's some variation across the definitions of the concept, but in short, a mindset is just a set of beliefs or assumptions that lead to recurring patterns of behavior. It's like a mental setting that prioritizes certain actions and reactions over others. In episode one, I discussed the notion of the pain pendulum, if you remember, that people who struggle to maintain a regular fitness routine tend to swing between painstaking discipline, doing things they dislike, and the painful guilt, shame, and regret that comes with failure. This pendulum keeps swinging when one of two things really happens. A person can't bear the painstaking choices that they've made in their fitness routine, or they can't bear the painstaking self-judgment, even self-loathing, of being inactive. So they need to do something about it. They take action. And that's how the pendulum goes back and forth and back and forth over time. Ultimately, the pain pendulum is based on a culturally shaped way of thinking about fitness that turns physical activity into a false choice between mental or physical pain. By pain, I mean just a highly aversive experience. So you're not doing it right if there is no suffering. Remember the fitness maxim from episode one, the one that goes, choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Well, this motto is a real pain in the butt, if you ask me. It reflects a mindset that dominates fitness culture today. So why even bother talking about mindset? How does it affect my fitness? How does it affect my motivation? Well, here's the main thing about mindset and why it matters. Mindset begets method. I'm going to say that again. Mindset begets method. I see mindset as a governing motherboard that strongly dictates the methods and the strategies that you take to get and stay active. It includes like the activities you choose and even how you do them. And right now, the pain mindset is like the factory installed default setting. How so? Well, fitness culture which is sort of like the water we all swim in every day, has been conditioning us to think about active living in a certain way. It's not necessarily done maliciously. I don't want to characterize the fitness industry as something awful, completely awful. But let's think about this for a little bit and think about the legacy of certain terminology. A large swath of people still believe in the motto, no pain, no gain. It's still prevalent. It's still evident in today's fitness discourse. And this little nugget, this four-word little nugget, has been around since the 1980s when fitness celebrity Jane Fonda, well, she used it in her very popular workout video series. 
And this phrase has been arguably the most influential maxim in the history of fitness. The truth is its lineage is traceable not to a scientific study, but a marketing meeting. It was born in a boardroom, if you will. And since that birth, millions of people, if not hundreds of millions of people, have taken the mindset that you're only doing it right if there's suffering. My two dogs can see how that's simply not a mindset built for sustainability. And of course, many of the benefits of physical activity are dependent on sustaining a routine or a pattern of behavior over a longer stretch of time. But anyway, culture influences our mindset and our mindset begets our methods. It influences our methods, our decisions, our strategies that we take to get fit. This means that a pain mindset really sets the stage for an approach that's not sustainable. As a part of the collection of methods that the pain mindset sort of reinforces or values, if you will, I want to talk about one in particular. And you can call it a skill, not necessarily a method, but it really defines the pain game and something that we've all used. I've used it. But I really want to talk about it and isolate it from the pack here to make a couple of points. Willpower. Willpower is often conflated with several other concepts like discipline, determination, uh, self-control, resolve. I don't want to go too deep into the weeds on willpower and the definition of it, except to say that it's ultimately the restraint we exert to do something that you don't want to do or you don't feel like doing. Rather than spend too much time going into the weeds and splicing up the definition of willpower, I want you to think a little bit about when you tend to use willpower. We all know what it feels like to be in that state where you're trying to assert yourself to try and make a decision about doing or not doing something. So why is it important to think about when you use willpower? Because its role in the whole fitness process is suggestive of something I think is very, very important and it's really worth thinking about. What do I mean? Well, a lot of people will say they primarily use willpower when they're deciding whether to go work out. A lot of people. In fact, I'd say most people do. Here, I do want to go into the weeds a little bit because willpower isn't necessarily good or bad. So if you use willpower a lot, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying it's data and it's important data to kind of pick apart a little bit. So let me show what your data might be telling you. In fitness, willpower rears its head in two ways, two very different telling ways in my opinion. And when I work with someone or I'm conducting a fitness history and doing an interview, I always look for or ask about the role of willpower and when it sort of shows up on a regular basis. Its role in a person's routine tells a very important story, particularly if there's a pattern behind it. And let me explain. I'm going to paint a couple of pictures for you. In scenario one, you're at the gym. Okay, put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's at the gym. You're on your last set of push-ups. Let's just keep it simple. And then after you're done, it's home time. As you flail away, you start getting tired and you are gunning for that last repetition. It's getting harder. As you go, clearly, that's what happens. And mentally, you start chattering to yourself. You wonder how far you can get. Will you make it? In these moments, you start asserting your will to overcome the burning and the fatigue and choosing the relief of just stopping. You keep deciding to keep going over and over again. You think even when you can't go any longer, you manage to stumble into that last satisfying repetition before flopping on the floor. You're done. 
In this example, you used willpower to overcome the overwhelming sensation of the moment, knowing that sweet relief was only a few seconds away. It's a willpower win, if you will. Let's take a peek at scenario two. It's 8 a.m. Saturday morning. You're at home. You usually leave for the gym at around 8.30, where you take a regularly scheduled spin cycling class. As you stand in your kitchen in your cozy, fuzzy bunny slippers cradling a hot cup of coffee, you're trying to muster up the will to go. There's other things you could do, and a lot of them are appealing. Less intense things, much less intense things, and they're speaking to you. Your mind again starts chattering, trying to convince you that, well, you'll feel great after class, and besides, you know, working out is good for you. You're trying to fight off all the attractive options, including burying yourself into your couch. But you're stuck somewhere in the middle of the decision, somewhat dreading intense exercise at that very moment, and that struggle is very, very real. We've all been there. I've been there. And I'm going to be there in the future. But you manage to go for it and go. You convince yourself. But you're kind of whining about it under your breath, even dreading it a tiny bit. But you get there. So it's a willpower win. Another willpower win. Clearly, these are two very different scenarios. In scenario one, you've used willpower to finish an activity and overcome the feedback that you're getting from your body. In scenario two, you've used willpower to start getting active. Now, you're not human if you haven't experienced either of these two scenarios before. I have. Absolutely. I'm certain that I can probably predict where people are in their fitness journey, whether they're really struggling massively or not, based on when they keep pushing the willpower button. What's the pattern? This pattern is crucial data. And I mean that. It's data. It's not meant to say, oh, I'm failing at this or not. In fact, your awareness of this data just like your awareness of the pain pendulum now, hopefully is just treated as data that we can use to push yourself forward in a positive way. So the question I have, do you need willpower to pump up your tires to get you to start working out? Or do you need it to finish? Where does it dominate? If you need it to start, it might be a sign that a motivation makeover is necessary, if you will. By that I mean willpower in this scenario is a sign that the activities you've chosen might not be attractive enough to be sustainable. Okay, even the most loyal have moments where they push the willpower button before they work out, before they go out and do their thing. I'm under no disillusion there. However, people who are happily active deploy willpower differently than those on a painstaking endeavor. And it's not a fundamental skill that's been driving them for years and years and years. The willpower way is still a relatively unsustainable pathway. By most academic accounts, you can improve your willpower. You can get better at it. Um, that's why I say it's, it's sort of a skill. You can get better at it like a muscle you can strengthen. But if willpower is the dominant method keeping you going, you're going to need that muscle to be colossal to avoid quitting. Okay, let's circle back to mindset again. That's the main topic for this episode. The willpower diversion is sort of an extension of that talk, but let's bring it all together. If we think that exercise should stink, or that we're not doing it right if it's not about suffering, or we need to push ourselves to the max for it to really count, people will create a relationship with fitness that is extremely difficult to sustain. What's more, they'll need a lot of willpower to sustain it. The willpower way is by far the tougher road, and the willpower way is one of the dominant methods of that pain mindset. Your mindset, which is that mental setting, 
that leads to recurring patterns of behavior plays a huge role in staying motivated and being consistent. Without some self-awareness, we'll just accept the default mindset, the default setting, like I mentioned earlier on in the episode, one that ultimately says that how you feel does not matter. Under that mindset, struggle isn't a glitch in the system. It's a feature. And that pain pendulum is the norm, not the exception. And this is really why being active, getting and staying active, is such an exception rather than the norm. So the question I'll leave you with is, what is your use of willpower trying to tell you? The relationship between culture, mindset, and the methods we choose to get and stay active is a pretty big one. I covered a lot in a short amount of time today. Why don't you take a moment, follow the show on Instagram at Happily Ever Active Show, or follow me at kelly.dell, that's D-O-E-L-L, silent O. And until next time, here's to living happily ever active. This episode of Happily Ever Active has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more content on the mental side of fitness. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the show. See you next time.